Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, Akuo, we are still in our series called The Beginning, but this is week 12 of our 12-week series. This is the final week. And in this series, we have been digging into what our foundation should be. Really, this is what we've been talking about all year long. And this series was actually inspired by a word God gave Akuo to start out in 2022, which is sturdy. We have been a church that has been called to be sturdy. And there's one really good way for us to get sturdy, and we actually see that in Jesus' words. Here's what he says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So we will continue to dig into this idea this week. And really, for the rest of the year, we have to be sturdy. And we are going to start with the foundation of Jesus. That's why we will continue to be sturdy. That's why we will continue to study his life uh, for this week and the rest of the year. We're going to make sure that we are keeping Jesus the foundation of everything as we go on here at this church and we go into our community. Now, before we go any further with this message, let's just take a moment to stop and pray. So Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the time that you have given us to dive into the life that you have lived here on earth. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to just speak out what you did here while you were walking amongst us. And we just thank you for everything, Lord. We love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Now today, we're going to be talking about the most important moment in the history of the world. Yeah, and that's not hyperbole. But here's the deal. It might not be the exact moment that you are thinking of when you think about the most important moment in the history of the world. It's kind of like this. So I have an amazing wife that has made my life so much better. She's loved me well and has brought a couple of kids into this world. She's the best. Well, when we met, that was a super important moment for us. But it wasn't the moment where everything changed. Our first date was amazing and super important for us. But it wasn't the moment where everything changed. And when I got the chance to get down on one knee and ask her to marry me, it was a very important moment. But it wasn't the moment where everything changed. No, the moment that everything changed was when we got in front of everyone and exchanged vows to one another and committed our lives to each other in marriage. That was the exact moment that our lives completely changed. Now, something similar might have happened for you. Maybe you got married too. Or, or maybe uh, in a job, right? Like getting an interview and a job offer isn't the moment when things change. It's that first day that you walk in and you actually are on the job where everything changes. Or, or maybe in school, like, you know, you have all that time studying and doing your work to finish your, your last round of finals. And when you walk out of that school and you, you know you're done, it's nice. But the day that you officially get your degree is when everything really changes. 
Well, when it comes to the Easter story, we see something similar to this. There are a ton of moments that come close to being the moment where the world changed, the entire world changed, but there's only one thing that actually changed everything. Now, before we can fully dive into this idea, we need a little bit of context. In the last few weeks, we've talked about Jesus and how he was getting prepared for the event of his burial and resurrection. But in addition to getting himself prepared, he had to make sure that his disciples were also ready. He had to make sure that his disciples knew how to live life without him. So Jesus did uh, what he did was have one final meal, which is known as the Last Supper. But really, what we talked about last week was it was the final review for the big test the disciples were going to have coming up. Now, there was one minor change that Jesus had to make in all the reviewing. He had to add one last principle that he had to make sure the disciples understood before he left. So Jesus leveraged the full authority of who he was, that he was God in the flesh walking here on this earth. Jesus leveraged his full authority to make something new. And for the first time in generations up to that point, Jesus created a new commandment. And in his new commandment, Jesus made sure that one word kept on popping up time and time again in, those, in that commandment, in those instructions. So here's what he told those disciples. He said, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Then after that, Jesus added on to that commandment another little piece. He said, For us to remain in his love, and the, that we were supposed to be doing that. And the way that we could do that is by following his commandments. Then he continued on and gave us another commandment, but it actually looked pretty similar to the one he had just given. Here's what Jesus said. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus laid out this new way of thinking. He created this new way of living and it was all centered around him. He centered around the way he loved. That way of thinking is to love, to prove to the world who you are and laying your life down for your friends. He gave his disciples the review for the big test coming up and they were gonna get as ready as they could. Now, as we read, Jesus and the disciples have left the, the dinner and they are heading to a place that they would normally go to rest and a place that actually Judas, the one that was betraying him, knew very well. He knew it so well that he knew Jesus was going to go and he sent Roman soldiers to meet Jesus and the rest of the fellows. So for today, we're going to be reading through John 18, 19, and 20. So if you would like to follow along on your own, in your own Bible, or on a Bible app on your phone, you're more than welcome to do that. If not, you can just read along with us here on the screen. So here is what John, the apostle and friend of Jesus, wrote about what happened as the Roman soldiers approached them. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. 
I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in your sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So let's stop right here to get a deeper look at this. The first thing is that a bunch of soldiers are there to pick up one guy. Now to be fair, it could have been a ton of soldiers, right? The word used to describe here, or describe soldiers, is considered to be one-tenth of a legion, which is 600. So we don't exactly know how many soldiers showed up, but we do know that it was a lot, so much so that there's like, hey, there's like maybe 600, I don't know. Which makes sense because the leaders of the Jewish temple would have told the Romans that Jesus was a revolutionary looking to overthrow the government. They probably would have, they probably told him that Jesus thought he was a king and that he had a bunch of followers. And because of that, the Romans sent a full force because they did not want to mess around. Now, another part that jumps out at me here is when the soldiers ask for Jesus. And well, Jesus answers them with, I am he, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it really is. We talked about something similar with this a few weeks ago. You see, when Jesus says, I am, this is a direct connection to a passage in the Jewish scripture, also known as the Old Testament. Now, in this story in the Old Testament, the Jewish scripture, God spoke to a man named Moses through a burning bush, and God was helping Moses lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt where they were being held captive. And God wanted Moses to go and speak to the ruler of Egypt. So the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, would let Israel out of captivity. Moses would also have to explain to all the people of Israel that he was going to be the one that was going to lead them out of Egypt. So Moses asked God, well, who, who should I say sent me? Because Moses knew that his name didn't really carry any weight to the Pharaoh or the nation that was going to follow him. So God told Moses to tell the people of Israel that I am has sent you. So when Jesus says I am, what he is saying here is that he is God. That same God that said, tell him I am sent you. He is that guy. Jesus is letting everyone know there that he is fully authoritative in this situation. What he's, what's really interesting is how the soldiers all fall to the ground here, right? You see in multiple stories throughout the Bible, this is the exact way that people will react when they come face to face with God. They just fall on their face. And what happens is that in this moment, they realize who is standing in front of them and immediately fall. It might not be like a conscious decision, but it's just a thing that happens. The soldiers all see Jesus in his full authority, and they just immediately fall to the ground. Now, as they start to leave, Peter, oh, Peter, he's ready to fight. I mean, how many of you have that friend or family member that's around you that's like ready to go at the drop of a hat? That's Peter. He's looking to do what he can to free Jesus, which isn't bad. I mean, Peter is showing that he's going to fight alongside Jesus, that he is willing to have that fight with him. He probably is thinking that he needs to be ready for the coming war. But spoiler alert, there wouldn't be one. Because the soldiers are going to take Jesus with them. And Jesus is going to make sure of it. Now, this moment is a huge part of the story of Easter. But it's not the moment that changed everything. Let's keep on going. So these soldiers take Jesus to the high priest's house, the high priest of the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus is questioned about what he's been teaching. 
And then he's sent to Pilate, the governor of the area for Rome. He gets interviewed by Pilate, and, and Pilate can't find any guilt with Jesus. So he, he learns, actually, that Jesus is called the king of the Jews, and he's like, well, I can't convict this guy. Maybe he's a king. Like, he hasn't done any crimes. However, Pilate doesn't want to rock the boat too much in that area because part of the responsibility for someone in Pilate's position was to make sure that peace was kept so that they continue to have resources safely sent back to Rome. It, it, was, it was more about like, hey, let's just make sure that the, the stuff is coming out of here and, and getting to Rome correctly. So Pilate tries something different to keep peace but not get Jesus killed. He goes around the elders and the priests and, and Pilate tries to appeal to the popularity of Jesus there in the crowd. You see, there was a custom at Passover for the Jewish people to ask for one person to be released from custody. So Pilate asked the crowd if they want to use this get-out-of-jail-free card on Jesus. But the crowd had been influenced by the priests and the elders of the temple. And they chose a criminal named Barabbas, who was guilty of murder and actual insurrection against Rome. Which is amazing because this man, Barabbas, is the exact opposite of Jesus. He was in jail for being a revolutionary against Rome and murdering people. Jesus was not only going to free a nation, but a world, and not with murder, but by laying his life down. So the time with Jesus and Pilate continues. And now Pilate, it, it finds out that Jesus has called himself the Son of God, and now Pilate really doesn't want to condemn Jesus to death. He doesn't want to mess with that stuff. However, the priests understand how this whole thing works. So they tell Pilate that if he doesn't condemn Jesus, then maybe Caesar just might happen to find out about it, about how he didn't kill Jesus when he should have, and then they'll turn around and kill Pilate. So at this point, the holy men of God have fully disconnected themselves from God because there is Jesus, God in the flesh, standing right in front of them, and they are denying Jesus. Instead, they are claiming that Caesar is their true king. God is no longer their king, but the world is. This was the final separation of the people of Israel, the temple of Israel from God. Now, this moment is a huge part of the story of Easter, but it's not the moment that changed everything. Let's keep going. So Jesus is sentenced to death by Pilate in this moment through the manipulation of the temple leaders. So let's go back and see what happens in John's writing. There he says, So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. There are so many things we can look at here. But what has been messing with me all week long had been this. Imagine what the disciples were doing here. Imagine what the disciples are feeling. Their leader, the one they accepted to be the Savior, is getting taken up on a cross to get executed. In between the fear and the sadness, I imagine they couldn't fully process what they were seeing. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a movie where, you know, you're watching it and, and the hero, the protagonist, finds himself in an impossible situation. But you're not that worried because a movie can't kill off their main character, right? Except here, the hero, the protagonist, they're not going to escape. 
when the reality of the situation started to settle in, the disciples began to fear for their lives as well. Because if they killed Jesus, they're going to go after his followers next. Now, in John's account, he walks us through how Peter, Peter of all people, is recognized as one of Jesus' disciples three different times, and each time he denies it, which I don't blame Peter for. I mean, think about the trauma of your friend, your leader, your Lord going through this. Think about the pain and the anger and the sadness that you would be going through your head as someone that you knew and loved and revered was killed like this right in front of you. I mean, I, I think I might be doing something similar in the middle of a traumatic situation like this. Peter might be doing good just to be in front of anybody at that point. Now, as Jesus is up there, John writes that he is there at the cross with Jesus' mom, Mary, Mary's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. Now, while they are there, this is what happens. This is what John sees happen. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's how it ended. Jesus allowed himself to be killed. Now don't get it twisted, he wasn't murdered. Jesus was God in the flesh. He could have escaped at any moment, but this is what he chose. And when he took his final breath, look at the words that he said. There's something much deeper connected to it. Now remember that the New Testament is a translation. English wasn't the original language that it was written in. The, the original language was Greek. So when Jesus says, it is finished, it is actually just one Greek word. It's tetelestai. Now this word might not have had much meaning to us in, in our lives, but to the audience back then it made perfect sense. It was actually a phrase that was a part of their daily transactions. In ancient recoveries, there have been receipts recovered for, for taxes that would have this word written across them. It meant that their taxes had been paid. Nothing else was owed. So when Jesus says this as he is dying, when he said, it is finished, or the translation is, it is finished, he has meant that his redemptive work was completed. He had taken on all the sin for all people and suffered the penalty of God's justice for that sin. Now this moment is a huge part of the story of Easter, but it's not the moment that changed everything. Let's keep going. So after Jesus dies, a few guys are his followers are allowed to take his body down, and they have a tomb waiting for Jesus. In his writing, John records how Jesus' body is prepared. He explains how they pour perfume all over Jesus' body, and, and, and all kinds of, of, of different uh, spices are, are wrapped around him. He's put a linen cloth over him, as was a Jewish custom at the time. Then they rolled a giant stone in front of the tomb, which was also normal for, for tombs during that time, and they left. They went home. They, they, maybe they engaged in, in some level of the Passover, which, which was happening right there. They're in the middle of the, the Passover festival in Jerusalem. All on this Friday night. Then Saturday passed. But Sunday morning came. And that morning, Mary Magdalene was the first one to show up. 
and to her dismay and horror, Jesus' tomb had been opened. The giant stone had been moved out of the way, and Jesus' body was gone. So Mary runs and finds the disciples, Peter and John, to tell them, and they all run back to the tomb. And Peter and John run into the tomb to see the linen that had been wrapped around Jesus just laying there. But the weird thing was it wasn't wrapped off and kind of thrown all over the tomb. It was still in the same spot that it would have been. There just wasn't a body under it anymore. John also records this is one little detail that the part of the cloth that would have gone over Jesus' head was folded up nicely and put in a different spot in the tomb. Now, neither one of them realizes what has happened and they just leave. And Mary stayed behind, though. And she stayed behind to be alone and to cry. Because what else could she do in that moment? You see, Mary wasn't in the best possible spot when Jesus met her. She was living a life she didn't want to live. A life that was so bad because she had been possessed by seven demons. And Jesus pulled them out of her. From that moment on, she followed Jesus. From that moment on, her life was better. But now, Jesus was gone. Hope was gone. The promise of something better had left. So she stood there, not knowing where she was going to go, what she was going to do with her life, full of sadness, full of fear. We all know that moment. I mean, take yourself back to a time like that in your life when you felt like all hope was gone, when you felt like there wasn't anything more that could be done to help you in your situation, when you felt like everything was lost. That's how Mary felt in that moment. So as we read through this next part, I want you to fully understand and feel what is going on. Here's what John wrote. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in, into the tomb. There she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where, Jesus, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. Okay, hold on. She's in so much grief, so much pain, that there are two literal angels standing in front of her. How did they get there? I don't know. But she is in so much sadness that she doesn't even react to the angels in white robes. When they ask her why she is crying, all she can do is continue to express her sadness. And here's what happens next. She turns to leave and sees someone standing there. She doesn't recognize him, but that stranger meets her with a question. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher. 
Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So imagine the moment. Not recognizing Jesus, but what is it that changes Mary? Jesus calls her name. And in that moment, when Mary hears her name come from Jesus' mouth, that everything is back. Hope is back. Joy is back. Jesus is back. And my hope for you, that as you have found yourself in those moments of hopelessness, is that you would hear Jesus calling your name. I hope that as you are broken and grieving, that you would be able to turn and cling on to Jesus because that's exactly how it went down for Mary. And for some of you, you've never had a chance to even get started with Jesus, but there has been something that has been nagging you. There's been something that weird that has been pulling at you. There may even be a small voice calling you to him. Like you might not even know why you're watching this video or listening to this to my voice right now, but somehow you ended up here. Well, that's Jesus asking you to be with him. That's Jesus asking you to put your hope in him. And if you would like to do that, it's really simple. All you have to do is have a simple conversation with him, which we would call prayer. So if you want to, we can do that right now. I can help lead you in that conversation. And to help you out in this moment, I'm gonna ask the entire Akuo community to be praying along with you. Because here at Akuo Church, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community to pray along with you and help you out through your tough situations. So just pray something like this along with me. Just say this between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did on here, here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now this isn't where your journey with Jesus ends. There are so many more things that you can do and will be asked to do. A good next step would be getting baptized, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But again, there are so many more things for you to do in your life with Jesus. I mean, we see it with, with Mary Magdalene, right? Jesus had something huge for her to do. He wasn't just there for her to say hi, right? He wasn't just there only to make her feel better. He had something more for Mary to do. He needed her to spread the word that he was back. At this moment, Mary becomes the first one in the history of the world to spread that news that Jesus had come back. Mary was sent to these men to teach them about what Jesus had done. Remember, in this society, women were second-class citizens. Their testimony wasn't admissible in the courts at that time. So the fact that Jesus appeared to Mary rather than to John or Peter or to one of the other disciples is incredibly significant. And it's not just any woman. This was the woman that had demons in her at one point. This is a woman with baggage. This is a woman that had messed up so many times in her life. This was a woman with a past. 
And yet she was the one entrusted with the most important message in the history of the world. This is Jesus showing once again that the people without power would be given power, that the people thought of as less than would be able to receive him in the same way that those with power would be able to get to him. This is Jesus showing he is there for everyone. So Mary goes and spreads the word of the disciples. And at that time they had been scattered, but they all got back together to discuss what was happening. Here's how John wrote it. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this moment is a huge part of the story of Easter. And the reason it's such a huge part is because it's the moment that changed everything. This is the moment when we realize Jesus won, that he really was who he said he was. This is the proof right here. Then he handed out the Holy Spirit to all the people who believed in him. The world would never be the same again. Everything changed, has changed, will continue to change because of this moment. The world has hope that it never had before. The world has love that it never had before. This is why we celebrate Easter, because of this moment right here. So I want you to celebrate. This is a time where we remember what Jesus did because he changed everything for the better. Everything. So let's take this moment to celebrate by talking to Jesus in a prayer. Let, let, and, and normally prayers are like quiet and solemn. I don't want it to be that. I want this to be a prayer of excitement and celebration. So just say this between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you did for us. Jesus, thank you for laying your life down for us, for sacrificing yourself for us, for living your life for us. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us how to love. Jesus, thank you for everything. We love you so much. And we pray all of these things in your holy, awesome, mighty, beautiful, loving, amazing name, Jesus. Amen. Now, before you go, there are a few things I want to be sharing with you. The first thing I want to share about is what is going down next week. We are going to be doing our second round of baptisms here at Akuo Church. So if you're someone who just decided to believe recently, whether it was today, a few weeks ago, whatever, this would be an amazing next step for you to participate in. Or if maybe you were baptized as a baby, but you want to stand up on your own and proclaim that you believe in Jesus by your own volition, on your own decision, you should get baptized too so that your church community can celebrate along with you. This is going to be happening next week. So if you are interested in this, please go to our website and click on the sign up link, or you can catch us on social media and click on the link there. Now, while you are on our social media, please 
be sure to just like click that little follow button, uh, you know, add friend, follow group, whatever it might be, uh, join a page, uh, and, and then share and interact with us as we point as we post things. Because guys, we want to be hearing from you. We want to see you interacting with us. We want to see what you have to say to us. Our Facebook and Instagram pages are two places that you can be doing with that that with us all week long. Now, the only reason that we're able to do anything like have a fun Easter celebration or do baptisms or, or link to our community in the way we do is because of the way that you guys are sacrificially generous. Now, no matter how you are being generous to the church, we want you to make sure that you're listening to God during this, right? We're a kuo. We listen to God. That's what we do. And he wants you to be giving, but just figure out how much he wants you to give. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here at Akuo, it's through the biblical method of generosity called tithing, which just means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. That could be the place you start, but no matter what you're doing, we want you to talk to God about it. Now, sacrificial giving might not be a possibility for you right now, and that's okay. Things might be really tough for you and your family, and if things are tough for you right now, please allow us to help you out. That's what the church exists for, is to be linking to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. Just, you know, they might be too proud or whatever it might be. Just contact us and we'll do our best to help them out. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send me an email directly at help at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here to Kuo Church, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there to our website, what you can do is just go ahead and click on the giving link. And then from there, it'll give you a handful of different instructions. You just follow those instructions, and that's how you can go ahead and give sacrificially through that. We also have our text to tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text akuo, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you wanna to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't wanna give electronically, we also have our PO box available if you'd like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail it into Akuo at PO Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you. I'm so thankful that you guys are a part of our community, and, and I just, I can't thank you enough for that. Now, before we go, let me just pray over you one last time. So Jesus, I just, I, I thank you for everything. I thank you for who you are and how you love us. I pray that as everybody turns off their computers, puts away their phones and turns off their TVs, that you'd be with them. I pray that as they, they go through this week, they'd be able to hear from you, that they'd be able to hear you calling their name, that you would be comforting them and loving them, no matter what kind of grieving they might be going through right now, Lord. And I pray that your presence would lead them into joy, would lead them into excitement and a celebration of your awesomeness and of your love. Jesus, we thank you for everything and we love you so much. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you. We will see you next Sunday for baptisms. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. 
Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching A Cool Old Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.